Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that, that this will bless you. Friends, thanks for being with us today, whether you're online, uh, watching this, or listening to it, however you are, uh, finding this today. Uh, welcome. And this is a Mother's Day message, but you may not be listening or watching on Mother's Day, but uh, it's called The Mother's Faith, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, the Good News According to Mark. That's the second book in the New Testament, chapter 7, starting with verse 24. As we find Jesus in the midst of his ministry, going outside of the territory of Israel uh, to non-Jewish territory, um, and we, we pick up the story with verse 24 of chapter 7 of Mark. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the, little, or let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. This is the word of the Lord. And it is a tough and amazing story. So stick with it here, folks. Um, a difficult situation this mom finds herself in. And, and who do you turn to when you are in a most difficult situation? Now, when we're in church and we hear a question like that or from a preacher, we, we of course, want to say, God, I turn to Jesus, I turn to prayer, and those answers are, are good. But I mean today, when I ask you, who do you turn to in difficult situations, which person, which, which human being do you call or visit or send a text to when, when you have received difficult news or you have a problem that you can't figure out. For many, I would guess, it is your mom or a mother figure in your life, maybe a, a grandma or an aunt or a coach or a mentor. You have that special uh, person that you lean on, right? That you turn to for help. I pray that you have that, that person. They are out there. If you don't have that person, there are wonderful, caring, servant-hearted people out there. And I would just say, speaking of that, you can be that person for someone else. As you grow and mature and the Lord works on you, you can be that listening ear, that shoulder to lean on, that mentor to process things with for someone. And today we are going to hear of a woman, a mother, who, who comes to Jesus for help for a situation beyond her abilities. And she comes on behalf of her child. 
And it's a beautiful story of a mother's faith. Let's, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our life be founded upon. Help us to hear, O oh Lord. I pray that your people would be listening. Whether they believe in you yet or not, I pray that they'd be praying, that they would hear this truth and that they'd really take it in. I pray that they'd pray for me and other preachers as well, Lord. Help, help us to communicate your word rightly. May you be honored in all of this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to dive into understanding this story, a bit about the bigger context. You can look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 7 and see some other things going on there. There was a discussion or debate with Jesus and some other religious leaders about what is clean and unclean. You know, Jesus and his followers are getting accused of not washing their hands when they eat, and there's this debate about what really makes a person unclean. And Jesus is coming down. It's, 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 it's what's in the heart and what comes out of a person that shows that they are unclean. It's not just the outside observances of things, right? It's not how they follow certain man-made traditions. It's whether they really believe God's teachings in their heart and they, they live out good morality. Uh, it's not just that they check moral boxes or they check tradition boxes on the outside. Uh, and so Jesus is saying, you know, more things are clean than you think. It's not just something out there that's unclean, that makes you unclean. It's, it's more how you see life and how you believe and how you treat people. And so that, that there's more going on in that ch- chapter. I encourage you maybe just to read the chapter of Mark on your own. If you want to pause this and read the whole chapter, you can. But a little bit about the, the background. Um, uh, you might, if you're watching this, see a map. But Jesus basically is going northwest of the Galilee area towards the Mediterranean to Gentile-controlled area or non-Jewish-controlled area. Uh, and this area has history dating back to the Old Testament of being occupied by the Canaanites. And uh, you could read uh, the same story basically in Matthew 15, but it refers to the woman as a Canaanite woman. Um, and, and so this is an area that... Jewish people or Israel never fully conquered and it has a, a deep rich history and it's called Syro-Phoenicia um, it has connections to other areas that are called Phoenicia like North, northern Africa a part that's called Libo-Phoenicia and, and it also has connection to Greek history where Alexander the Great conquered this area and so Jesus is in a non-Jewish area with lots of history and background there and the situation that he finds himself is is that he's there's ethnic and historical differences between him and the people he's staying with. Like normally a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, wouldn't even go into this area. Again, going into that area would check that box saying, you're unclean. You're staying in, a, in an area of an unclean person or a house of an unclean person and they eat unclean foods. But here is Jesus going into a place a Jewish rabbi wouldn't really normally go to. And, and now here he's talking to a woman of, of a background that he really maybe shouldn't interact with according to the external external religious rules of the day, a woman who was Syrophoenician and of Greek heritage and, you know, so of the upper crust of the, the Syrophoenician class, the Greek background people tended to be the upper crust of the class and, uh, 
So this lady had a different background than Jesus and his disciples. They, they don't share the same worldview or history or culture or foods or taboos, what you can do and can't do, cleanliness laws and more. A lot of things would have been different between how Jesus was raised and how this woman was raised, how the disciples were raised. But Jesus, uh, in his ministry, he goes to people outside of his people group that look different from him. He talks about people outside of the Jewish people. Uh, you know, he even condemns some of his own people at times. He, he talks tough about his home base of ministry, a hometown called Capernaum, uh, you know, not his original hometown, but where he did a lot of ministry out of Capernaum. And he says the people in Capernaum are less likely to repent than the people of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, you know, the ty- people of Tyre and Sidon, if they had seen the ministry that was done in Capernaum, they would, they would repent more readily. And Jesus, so Jesus has some tough words for Capernaum, even as he praises, in a way, these outsiders, the people of Tyre and Sidon. And, and then there's the, the time where Jesus preaches his first hometown message in the, the town of Nazareth where he grew up. And part of that message is he informs the folks there that, that, that the Messiah is also going to go to the Gentiles or to the non-Jewish people. Just like God's prophets like Elijah, the Old Testament, went to non-Jewish people and brought healing and miracles to widows that were outside of the Jewish people, for example. And, and for that reason that, that Jesus said the Messiah is going to bless non-Jews or Gentile people, they wanted to stone Jesus to death. They wanted to kill him, one of their own hometown boys. So, the, you know, the, all of that feeds into the background of this context and the type of ministry Jesus has where he, f- he feels free to confront not just uh, people outside his heritage uh, as a Jewish person, but his own Jewish people. And in this story, we see that there's some difficult words. There's some hard stuff, some hard words in the story. We see uh, the mention of a, a child with an unclean spirit. And now a child in the sense, this little child, may, it, it may not necessarily mean they are young in age. It, that could be the, a very obvious thing. But sometimes this word was just used as a precious, beloved child. This could be an older child. that They are precious and beloved, whatever their age, but they have an unclean spirit. And for, for many of us in the 21st century world, we are uncomfortable hearing that. Uh, many people in the world today see this world as unspiritual. They only see things is real if you can measure them and touch them and feel them. But I think a lot of us know that the world is more than physical, that there's emotions are real, uh, connections, relationships have realities outside of just the physical things you can touch. And there is a spiritual world uh, that God has made and there's things going on uh, greater than we can see, right? And so uh, they're okay with that. I just want to say in this story, as we enter into the story, uh, the original people involved with it were okay with the perception of a spiritual world. And in our gospel today, the gospel of Mark, it was okay with that perception. And most people in history are okay with that perception of that there is a spiritual world. There's powers and principalities at place. There's real stuff outside of what we can see. And therefore, some things that humans deal with, therefore struggles that humans deal with, are, are often not just physical issues, but are often much more complex, involve their emotions, their spirituality, their relationships. And in this case, says that at root of this child's issue, this beloved child's issue, is a spiritual, unclean spirit. 
Okay, so that's, that's some tough stuff there, but hopefully that helped. And then we see that there's this language of children and dogs. Who are the children and are some people dogs? This is, this is difficult for our ears to hear. Now, Jesus is in enemy territory. He's going there to bless and teach people. And he, in a sense, by this language, is claiming that the Jewish people are the children of God. And therefore, if you follow the logic that non-Jewish people are like dogs, uh, and, it, and we can just leave it at that or see it like that if we choose to. But uh, I think he's actually, I know, he's actually challenging that mindset and seeing uh, what this Syrophoenician Greek woman sees. Does she see herself as, as a, uh, because she's the upper crust of her area, does she see herself as worthy to have this teacher heal her child? Does she see herself as a deserving at a seat, uh, a seat at the table with the Messiah? Uh, is that how she views herself? You know, as the people he had been confronting, even just in Mark 7, saw themselves as they knew what was best, right? They are children at the table. They say they're children, but they're not acting like children who really are respecting their father in heaven. So, of course, the imagery here is children deserve a priority and dogs get scraps from the table, especially at that point, dogs weren't seen as much as pets as they are now. And, and so it, 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 it was difficult to hear this, or it's been difficult for many to hear this. And some have even said Jesus is being racist in his treatment of this, this woman, that he's buying into the stereotypes of his time. And this is, some people give this as evidence not to buy into Jesus' teaching because they, they don't see that he has deep awareness. But actually, what, what that view is missing is that Jesus has very deep awareness. He's very aware of the stereotypes of the day and the racism of the day, the racism of our day too. And he's confronting all of that and what identities we buy into and what ideas we buy into. Obviously, in the end, he sees this woman as a child of God. What he's confronting is whether she sees herself as an entitled, spoiled child, uh, right? Does she just accept that Jewish people see her as dog? What, what does she accept? How is she going to view who she is spiritually? Who are the children, right? Well, children spiritually are those who admit that they need a spiritual parent. And we could say children are those who admit that they need the father, Right Earlier in the chapter, we see that Jesus was confronting some of his own Jewish people for not acting like good children towards their parents. What they did was they said that they were very religious and, and in order to continue honoring their father and mother, they couldn't actually devote as much resources that their elderly parents needed because some of their resources had to go to the temple or to religious works. But that really, Jesus is saying, you're just doing that to impress other people when your parents need more food or more care. And Jesus said, you're not being a good child. You're not honoring your father and mother by checking those religious boxes that you're doing just to impress people anyway, right? So you're not a good child if you don't, if you don't want to serve your father or mother, right? Uh, a good child is, is wanting more than just blessing from their parents or, and more than just an appearance of a good family. A good child is wanting to honor their parent, right? And Jesus is saying those who are proud and claiming to be children while having no humility and no respect for their parents, they're not really children. And so he's testing that in the Syrophoenician woman, right? 
And so this woman knows a lot of the background to things that we don't automatically know, and she knows other worldviews. She knows that a lot of Jewish people would see her as unclean and that she could not just claim to be a child of the Messiah. And so she, but she loves her daughter. So she doesn't care about those religious claims. She doesn't care about appearances. She'll say, I will, I will act the dog if you will give me the crumbs, right? And that shows us her love. That what mattered to her was loving her family, loving her child. She didn't care about the appearance of whether she should be accepted at the, at the Jewish table, right? And, and that's what Jesus wanted to see. Like, do you see yourself as entitled? Right? Do you see yourself as, as deserving to be at the table? Do you see, put yourself down and say, oh, I, I don't even deserve to have, uh, you know, something good happen to me. Who, or do you humbly just come as you are saying, I want to serve. I want to serve you. I want to serve my daughter. That's how this woman comes. So he's challenging her just like he challenged many other Jewish people in his ministry. He challenged the Jewish teacher Nicodemus and told him you have to be born again or born from above. He, he challenged him. He challenged the rich young ruler and told him you have to go and sell all that you have. He challenged the Jewish tax collector Zacchaeus. I mean, he challenged all kinds of people of his own background too. And, and here he's, he's challenging her, but doing it out of love, right? To see how do you really see yourself? And she sees herself when it's all stripped down, when she's going through this terrible crisis, when her child is suffering. What she knows is she is poor and needy. She does not have, no matter how rich she was as a Greek Syrophoenician, she was not able to buy healing for her daughter. She was not able to bring wholeness for her daughter. And when it gets down to it, she is just a mom who longs for her daughter to be whole and healthy. And she doesn't care about wealth or status or what she deserves. None of that. She just comes poor and needy and says, if you have a crumb from your table, I've heard you might be the Messiah. I'll take whatever crumbs might bless my child. She comes to the table of the Lord. She comes to him and says, I'll take your crumbs. And this faith is amazing, and Jesus sees it. I hope we see it. It's beautiful because she is placing her faith in what Jesus has, not in who she is. A lot of people have faith in their faith, faith in how they name it and claim it or pray and grab hold of God's blessing. That's really faith in your faith. None of that for her. She has faith that Jesus has enough on his table of love and grace and mercy that whatever falls off his table will be enough for her. Whatever falls off his table of love and goodness would be enough to heal her daughter. Even a crumb from Jesus Christ is enough to crush what ails her child. And so she teaches and reminds us, reminds us that we all come to the Lord as beggars in need of him. Who are we to have the goodness of God in us? Who are we to have the goodness of God with us, filling us, forgiving us? But he is good. And his banquet table is full, full of love. And he is wanting and willing to feed us. But will we come humble, admitting what we need, 
and that he has what we provide? Will we come demanding and saying we deserve a seat at the table? That's not the way to the table. Well, let's consider the, again, demons and, and healing here. It says that it was a demon that left her child. That's what the word says. Uh, we can call it a plaguing spirit. Something, some physical presence of evil that did not want this child to be whole and well. And the humble, pleading faith of this mom laid hold of the power of Christ that without a word or a touch to this child, he sent that demon out even at the distance he was at. And I just want to say that there are spiritual aspects to healing. There is spiritual healing. There are things that leave you when Christ tells them to leave. Now, that doesn't mean that all illness is 100% spiritual, of course. But humans are spiritual. Humans are souls. And prayer matters. Fasting matters, not just for physiological reasons, but for spiritual reasons. Faith, trusting God matters. Worship matters. Falling down before God in prayer matters. Spiritual activity or the lack thereof the, matters and has impacts one way or the other. Now, a human being could be, theoretically, I don't know if this is, could actually be possible in our world, but theoretically a human being could be virus and bacteria-free and yet be far, far, far from a healthy whole person because even though they may not have a physical virus or bacteria, they may be plagued by selfishness or unhealthy anger or pride or lust or deep dread or, or bitterness or more. And there are no medicines for spiritual, physical medicines for spiritual illnesses or complications of the soul. The great 20th century preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was originally of Wales and, and ministered for a long time in London, he was a medical doctor first and even served the, the higher-up folks in England. And he, he was a doctor for many, many years before he followed his calling to preach. And he always taught that, that we should consider spiritual solutions along with physical solutions. That sometimes we will find spiritual help for, for some problems that plague us, right? Whether it's lack of sleep or, or headaches or something. That, and there might be a very medical cause, and sometimes we need both, right? But oftentimes we, we don't do the spiritual activity until we've tried everything physical. And his advice was, why not always start with spiritual and look to medical, right? Because you are spiritual. So that's something to consider. Now we learned some lessons of faith here, what faith is and faith is not. Faith is, she teaches us, that it's trust. It's trust with humility. It's not entitlement. It's not thinking that I deserve this healing, right? Or that I can claim it. But it's trusting with humility that whatever you give me will be enough, Lord, even if it's a crumb by other people's views. She does not lean on her likely wealthy status but just makes a humble request of Jesus, throwing herself down like a beggar or a servant at his feet. Faith and the greatness of faith is admitting your weakness. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant, Jesus teaches. If you want to see in the kingdom of God, you have to admit you're blind on your own. If you want to be strong, you have to admit you're weak. 
If you want to have your life, you have to give up your life. It's the meek, Jesus says, who will inherit the earth, not the strong, not the proud. And greatness is falling down. Greatness is falling down at the feet of Jesus, just like this month. So give up. Give in to Jesus. Lean on Him. Lean on His power. Lean on that which you cannot see. This woman went home just based on His word. What faith. I don't know if I would be able to do that. She went home based just on His word. Hoping in what she could not yet see. And when she got home, her daughter was well. Faith is trusting even when we can't see that God knows best. That He may heal, He may not, but He knows best. And He will always care for and love His people, healing or not. On earth, He will always love His sheep and love us for all eternity. We need faith like all of that. And if we have faith like all of that, God's Spirit can then lead us to be mentors or coaches or friends or aunts or neighbors or, or moms who live like this woman lived, who did not hesitate but made herself prostrate before Jesus. Do this daily and res- regularly. Don't hesitate. Prostrate. Fall before Him in prayer. Open your hands before him in prayer. Some of us are so concerned about <laughs> embarrassment or, or even using a posture of dependency upon God like opening our hands or lifting our hands or getting on our knees. It seems like weakness. Well, it is because we're weak. We need him. Don't hesitate, prostrate. Don't assume, consume. Don't assume you deserve healing or blessing or whatever. Instead, be willing to consume what the Lord is offering, His Word, His presence. And some may say these are crumbs, but we know they're actually not crumbs because whatever comes from the Lord, may, even if it's crumb size, even if it's just a couple words from the Scripture, is a feast that can satisfy. One crumb of grace from Jesus is better than all the treasure and power in the world. I wouldn't give up my life with Christ for all the power in the world, for all the money in the world. Don't hesitate, prostrate. Don't assume, consume what He offers. And serve by advocating and receiving. Be like this mom. Step out in faith. Seek help for others like she did. Ask boldly. Do what other people would say is embarrassing for the sake of loving others. She fell down at a stranger's feet, probably in a stranger's house. She didn't demand. She didn't threaten. She didn't act like a helicopter parent of the 21st century saying, you have to do this. She didn't make her child into some pseudo-celebrity cause. She was just serving out of love wanting the best for them. You can want the best for people in your life. You can do this. You can want their health, their healthy education, their accountability to develop resilience, to develop the ability to discern truth, to seek truth. You can help 
encourage that, all of that in others. Think about how we know the result of this story. The disciples and Jesus know her end. But the result that she went home and the child was healed, I, I imagine that she shared that story. She shared the result. And we know that the gospel eventually came to this area. And this story would have been an unforgettable story. And as the good news of Jesus, the whole gospel came to this area of Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins, defeating death by raising from the grave and then offering his people his Holy Spirit. This unforgettable story of how Jesus healed this child in that area and other things that Jesus had done in this area. When When it combined with the good news that Jesus had also gone to the cross willingly giving himself up to defeat the powers of evil, sin, and death in this world, and then rose from the grave. I can just imagine this woman and others in that area joyfully falling again down in worship and saying, praise be to God who sent his son into the world to heal all of us and to bring us all to his table. Who are we that we could have his life given for us who are we that we could be risen with the same spirit that rose raised him from the dead we know that many came to faith in that area as they connected the dots of what jesus had done in his ministry time there and then what he did through his death and resurrection and the giving of his holy spirit Hmm. it's beautiful to think about and it's beautiful to think about her going home Imagine in your mind's eye her going home and seeing her child up and walking, free and whole. And I just want to say, it's so powerful, the ministry of going to the home. She came from her home, but her home never left her because she was representing her home, even as she was falling at the feet of Jesus. And the home is the primary ministry unit. Home in this this verse, Mark 7.30, is the root word is oikos, this, this Greek New Testament word for home or household, this network of relationships that we each have. We each have a home base. There's physical places that are connected to us, hometowns or home groups of people that, that are our teams or our work teams, our friends, our colleagues. Usually we each have 8 to 15 people that, that are, we're really tight with that influence us and we influence them and we connect with them regularly. Some of these are kids or grandkids or neighbors or, or co-workers or friends. Some believe and some don't believe. But our homes, our oikos groups are not... Uh, an accident or a coincidence. They are, are places and people that we are put in by God's meaning and purpose. You are not an accident. Your relationships are not coincidence. Together, God has, is, is bringing us together and calling us to believe that we each, as part of this congregation, wherever you're hearing this, wherever you're seeing this, He is calling us to, to, to believe that the circle of folks that are in our life are people we're supposed to Pray for, advocate for, serve, tell truth to, stand up for, embarrass ourselves for the needs of them in a good way, right? We don't give up seeking to do what is good and right and loving for our neighbors because God empowered others to do that for us. Many of them were mothers, right? God's calling you to have faith like this, friends to really believe, humbly, powerfully believe 
that he has you as a missionary right where you live, right where you're already connected. And some of those connections you need to develop more and be more intentional about, be more prayerful about. But make no mistake, God wants you in this work. And he is going to let you see some joyful things. You're going to rejoice that God working in and through you and others is going to lift up some people. Maybe some people you know out of addiction into relationship with the Lord, into ministry. But he wants you to be a part of what he's doing. Just like Jesus did for this sweet child. He lifted her up and that woman, that mother got to see this sweet victory and realized that that God was with her and for her. And he's with you and for you too. And you may see some of these results on earth, but you're definitely going to see these results in eternity and praise God. God, thank you. Thank you for letting us have your crumbs of grace and more so to be children at your table, though we are not worthy on our own. But you make us worthy and call us into your kingdom. How great are you, God. Deepen our faith. Deepen our humility. Deepen our service. Call us to believe that you are calling us to our oikos groups. Empower our witness. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This might be the first day that you've heard of oikos. Um, I, I want you to encourage. I want to encourage you to look up oikos prayer group or oikos eight to 15 there's an 8 to 15 app that will help you pray for the 8 to 15 people in your life that could be your your oikos the people you're praying for seeking to bless and share love and God's truth with you can do it in an app form we have oikos prayer list where you can put it in front of you daily on a mirror in your bible wherever and you write the names of people and you pray for them you can put a, a list in your phone however you do it but maybe you need to start being intentional about your oikos list today. Maybe you're part of this congregation and you need to renew that intentionality today, right? Maybe you also just need to, to give thanks for those who stood up for you in life like this woman stood up for her daughter and then fell down for her daughter. Man, I have so many people in my life who poured into me, embarrassed themselves for me, right? I, I mean, think of that what people have done for you. Praise Jesus for calling us into our eternal identity now. He's calling you to be a servant of his eternal kingdom now. Believe it, friends. Thanks be to God for his word. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on 
the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at PalouseChurch.org uh, to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.